Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. That was a terrific conversation with my friend Michael Sunderman. He's a terrific community leader, someone I enjoy staying in touch with, and he has a real good finger on the pulse and uh, into tourism and, and uh, the gaming market. And uh, just just in general, it's always good to catch up with Michael. Anyway, let's move now to my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And, uh, you know, he's a, a, a famed uh, a sports columnist, knows the Saints, knows the Pelicans, knows LSU, just knows a lot about sports in general. But I, I made a note to my friend the other day who said something about uh, we're going to, you know, am I going to be visiting with Jeff today? And I sent him back a note and said, yeah, we'll, we're going to mourn the Saints season. <laughs> so um, it's it's kind of sad, man, because in spite of all the challenges and penalties and injuries and everything, if they'd have just won one more game against Tampa, They'd be in a different position now going into this final game. It's tough to to look at it that way, but it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, well, if you think about it, Ricky, the last two years have been that way. They're one win away from being being in the playoffs, which would be seven straight years. So, yeah, this is going to feel like a lost season in so many ways, I think, because the team was so close and really squandered a lot of games where they were leading all the way into the fourth quarter. It was, it was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, if you go back, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this. It'll be interesting to see how you sort of frame it. But in the, in initially in the beginning of the year, a lot of sloppiness, making penalties you just never saw uh, in the in when when Sean Payton was there. And then of course, lots of turnovers. You know, the 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 turnover ratio was was not in the right direction. They started to get some of that under control toward the end of the season. Why do you think it took so long? And you're right. What you wrote about this past game, it was the most – even with all the damage on the offensive line and the fact that, that that our quarterback had to take some sacks, it was still a well-played game. And, man, I wish it could have been that team the whole year. Well, this is how they wanted to play all season. I mean, I remember – I think we talked about this. I remember talking to Dennis Allen in training camp. And it was back in the heady days when – Everyone was all excited and, and, and thought this team was going to be back to the, the Drew Brees, Sean Payton ways, you know, Jarvis Landry's coming in, Chris Olave. And I think I told you, Dennis, they weren't going to play that way. They were going to be much more, more like the Jim Mora Saints with the Dome Patrol. And he said to me, he goes, we've got to be comfortable winning games 20 to 17 because we're going to be in a lot of close games. We're going to lean on our defense and special teams. We're not going to be this high-scoring, wild, you know, freewheeling offense. And that's exactly how they won that game on Sunday against the Eagles. It was, it was a carbon copy of what his blueprint was of how to win. They leaned on the defense and special teams, and they ground out a tough win. Uh, and that's really what he wanted, how he wanted to play. And they kind of played that way the last half of the season. Even in losing, say, to San Francisco, uh, you know, they gave up 13 points. They needed to score a few more. They couldn't convert in the red zone. But this is the formula Dennis Allen had in mind all along. What's interesting is that NOLA.com had a story 
in the last few days about how the starting lineup for the Pelicans, what they the projected starting lineup, only literally only played together in a very small number of, of games, maybe ten. I don't remember the exact number. Um, the same thing is true for the for the defense. The defense, first of all, the defense never could find their swagger. The defensive line did not initially play very well. Then they started getting all these injuries. The starting lineup could never really kind of pull it together. And eventually what we saw was, as you pointed out well on this show and in writing, the, you had these new stars that started to emerge on the on the defense. And it just I guess it just took a while for them to find what their personality was ultimately going to be. But they weren't the team we hoped they would be at the beginning of the season. No, and I don't know why it took so long, to be honest with you, because the whole point of – hiring Guinness Allen and retaining most of the defensive coaching staff was the continuity and stability that they wanted. I mean, they wanted the same culture here as they've had. And so I don't know why it turned over as much. That's something I'm sure Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis will be talking about because it, it did take too long. There's no doubt. And look, everyone's got a few injuries and new players. I mean, that's part of the league. Uh, It shouldn't have taken half the season to figure that out, but it did. But at least they did figure it out. And, and they've won three in a row now. They hadn't won two in a row until this last winning streak. And they have a chance now to finish with a four-game winning streak and go into the offseason with momentum and I think the confidence that they've got it figured out. Well, look, it's there, there's a lot to unwrap. I thought you and Jim did a great job on the Datitude podcast talking about how the Saints have to approach this offseason in a different way. And they don't have, unless they get a first-round draft choice from multiple draft choices, for that matter, uh, as a result of Sean Payton coming back into the into uh, uh, coaching football, they they are going to have to build this team another way. And one of the points that you made was we have to be willing, since we got new 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 guys coming on to this team that are playing extraordinarily well a whole crop of, of, of new stars on this team. We have to be willing to bite the bullet on, on some of those players that we before, before saw as the stars, maybe still, still, still see them as a star. And now is the time to try to get to try to make a, a trade like that work. Um, but they're going to have to be creative, aren't they? Yeah, that's the word. They're going to have to be creative. They're going to be very tight against the salary cap again. Uh, they have the least cap room of any team in the league going into the offseason. It's really not even close. So that's going to require a lot of heavy lifting between Kai Harley and Mickey Loomis. And they don't have a first-run draft pick. And if that does not materialize in a Sean Payton trade, then they're going to have to get creative, I think, to get out of that. Right now, they need cheap labor, if you will. I hate to use that term, but uh, they've got a lot of contracts that because of their all-in approach of past years – they kind of went all in to try and win it. And I understand why they did it. And they ended up with these uh, kind of uh, uh, back backloaded contracts. And it's all coming home to roost. They're paying the piper right now. That's why we see guys like Trey Hendrickson and Teron Armstead and all these players on other teams playing very well, really good football players. The Saints knew that. But they had to make some tough decisions. And they got some more to come. And I think we're going to see a real transition in the roster this offseason, much more than we saw last year. So when you just, to, and I think it was inter- interesting about the podcast, the Datitude podcast with Jim, when you guys talked about this, is that people might be surprised with the names that you think could be under consideration for trade. Why don't you kind of cover some of that? Well, here, here's the thing. They, they, they can't go into the season with 
Mike Thomas making $20 million a year. It, you know, it, it can't happen. They've got to go to him and ask him if he will be willing to restructure, take less pay. He's not worth that anymore. Now, that's the, that's the ugly side of the NFL. Uh, you know, players outperform their contracts all the time, Ricky, and the team never really rushes out and says, hey, we want to pay you more. Like, you could make the case right now, Chris Olave is worth a lot more than he's being paid. He's on a rookie contract. The Saints aren't beating down his door to pay him what he's what his market value is. But once your contract, once you stop outperforming your contract, it's one-sided in this league. The team comes to you, and that, I imagine they're going to have that conversation with Michael Thomas because they can save money by moving him, by either trading him or releasing him. Now, they don't want to do that, I don't think, but there's, this is desperate times call for desperate measures, and they're going to have to be desperate in some of these moves. I mean, a guy like even a great player who's coming off a great game like Cam Jordan, they're going to have to think long and hard about his future here. I mean, that's that's the way it is with these contracts that they have because they also have luxury there. I think that's important to note. Yes, Mike Thomas is a very good player. Yes, they want him, but they've got two young rookies right now in Olave and Rashid Shaheed that have emerged this year. You feel pretty good about those two guys going forward, and they make, relatively speaking, very little money against the cap. These are the hard decisions that they're going to have to weigh. You even mentioned Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, and I, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, that would be difficult cap-wise to move him. But it's players like that. It's, it's contracts like that. Like, for instance, Jameis Winston. I'll be shocked if he's back here. Uh, they will save $4 million by moving him, and he's not even the starting quarterback anymore. So I think a fresh start for him, for the for the team, all makes sense. So these are the tough decisions. You know, Guys that we went into the season thinking we're going to be part of the core of the future are already probably on their way out. Well, you know, when Jameis went from, from after that practice that time, or, or yeah, it was actually after practice at one of the – one of the media availabilities where he said that you should never lose a starting job from injury. The way he said that he would, that's what we saw. I wonder what was playing out behind the scenes, but it seems to me that maybe he burned some bridges along the way and it's time, you know, time to move along away from him. Yeah. I I don't know what happened there, but clearly the club lost confidence in him. I think that's fair to say that they went quickly to Andy Dalton and stuck with him the whole time. And he, he performed pretty well once he got past a few of those shaky opening games. I can think of Arizona was a difficult game. Uh, but down the stretch, he's played exactly the way they want the quarterback to play. They know what they've got with Dalton. I don't think they felt that way about James. I, 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 I wanted to say in his last game, why didn't he get rid of the ball? But then when you see the replay, he didn't have a chance to get rid of the ball. I mean, he was, they was being bull rushed in there. Very tough situation. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Duncan. We'll see you after this. Live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. Hope you're having a great day. And we have Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune, sort of doing a debriefing on the Saints season. But uh, when we went to break, we were talking just about, you know, uh, they're going to have to get super creative. But one one point I want to make about Andy Dalton, uh, he did, he, his numbers were good coming into this last game. And as you pointed out during the during the break, this offensive line, excuse me, the defensive line for Philadelphia is they're they're good, and it was you know it was really interesting to see how accurate Andy Dalton was and how quick he was able to get rid of the ball. But um, that was some that was a, that was part of the the winning formula for that game, wasn't it? Yes, I mean they knew going in they were down two offensive linemen, and then Ryan Ramchek went down early in the game, and they were really down three starters. And look, Philly went into that game, Ricky, with 61 sacks. I think they had six sacks in the game. They are within now reach of the great 84 Chicago Bears. Remember that group with Refrigerator Perry and Mike Singletary and Richard Dent, Buddy Ryan? I mean, they set the NFL record in the history of the NFL with 72 sacks. And now here the Eagles are right there. They could do that and break that record that stood for that long. That's how good they are with the yeah. pass rush. So the Saints knew that, credit to the coaching staff. They knew they weren't going to hold up, so they got the ball out quick. And it was very much like Drew Brees in his prime. I think he completed, Dalton completed 88% of his passes. Uh, his first incompletion was that interception he threw, which was just a really good play, I thought, by the Eagles, kind of deked him into that. But otherwise, he played exactly like they needed to. And here's the other thing that I think was important in that game. They got on uh, – on the Eagles quickly. Marched down, got a quick touchdown. I think they shocked the Eagles, and they were much more physical. They ran the ball right down their throat. They got to the 19-yard line on their opening drive and just ran four times in a row and plowed into the end zone. I mean, that clearly told me they were setting the tone, and the Eagles weren't quite ready to play because they got bullied up front. And once they seized the lead, uh, then the Eagles started trying to come back, and you can't flip the switch like that in the NFL. And and they fell short once they – now, that was a great play by Marshawn Lattimore. If he doesn't make that play, who knows what happens. But that was a big-time Pro Bowl-type play. The, that, the drive was amazing, though. If I, my memory serves me correct, when they scored, there was, le- there was around six minutes and a few seconds left on the clock. I mean, it literally took over half the darn yes. uh, quarter. That, I mean, that drive well, – I wish we could have done that all year. Well, the Eagles went – three and out on their first four drives. For the first quarter, they had three plays. I mean, so that's what they call complimentary football. You're you're keeping the ball on offense. You're preventing the, your defense from being on the field very much. It, it works out that way. And, uh, look, I, I think Philly woke up eventually and they started playing. Uh, I guarantee you this week you see a different Philly team. And, th- look, I don't want to take anything away from the Saints, but they caught the Eagles at a perfect time. They had a huge emotional game on the road against the Cowboys. They come back home. It's easy to be complacent in a game you don't have to win against the Saints team that's struggling. All those things add up. I've seen it so many times over the years. And I thought the Saints had a great game plan. I thought their coaching staff totally outcoached the Eagles. And once they got that lead in that game, they could lean on that defense. And the defense right now is carrying the team like we thought they would all year. I mean, they are, they are a legit top five defense in this league and, and the Eagles found that out in that game. Hey, listen, we'll shift gears up before we go. I just, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, didn't mention Kamar Hamlin and that incredible Monday night game. And, and the, I, I don't want to call it fallout more of the reverberation of humanity that has come from that. Um, 
how many, just in your circles, is this something everyone's talking about? Oh, yeah. It's the biggest story in sports. One of the biggest stories in the country, I think, because we just had not seen that. It happened on the Monday night football platform. I mean, millions and millions watching that game. And look, I've seen it before. It happened. I referenced it in my column this week. I mean, Devon Walker with, with Tulane here in, in in New Orleans. Now, it happened in Tulsa, but he had the exact same thing happen, but he had a neck injury. This was different. This is a chest injury, a cardiac arrest. But, uh, you know, seeing CPR being performed on a player on the field is shocking. It's jarring to anyone. And I think it really was sobering for everyone and kind of woke everyone up just to the realities of the violence of this game. Uh, these players uh, at the highest level, uh, you know, it's amazing, Ricky. I've told you before, when you're on the sidelines, it's amazing there are not injuries on almost every play. Yeah, you and I have shared notes on that. I've had the opportunity to be on the sidelines a few times. And the speed of the game, the size of the players, the the uh, the violence of the hit around the hits. I mean, it, I've, you and I have talked about that before on this show, that it is remarkable there aren't more serious injuries or even deaths. In this particular case, I'm, I'm a former paramedic, and I'm very familiar with this 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 peak of T wave issue that may be the, what happened to him. Twenty milliseconds in that moment, if, if that's where he got hit. Well, that's what look, it sounds like happened. I mean, yeah, it does. Listen it does. to medical experts, and look, that's just a fluke thing. I mean, I don't know how you prevent it. Uh, it happens in lacrosse. It happens in baseball. We see yes. where you get hit in the chest, and it, it can it can cause the heart to stop. Uh, very, very unfortunate, and you're right. The paramedics on the field did a remarkable job. I think yeah. that ultimately is one of the things we learned was just how incredible those people are. Yeah, the, the, the NFL gets big kudos in the kind of preparation that they do. They're prepared for that emergency. They yeah. know where the equipment is and how to deal with it. The best and most well-trained staff you could ever imagine was there with him. And let's pray that he has a full recovery. Uh, I can't wait to get to, to, to know him better through his own words after this accident, see how it changes his life. Anyway, Jeff, it's been a, a pleasure to visit with you, my friend. We'll see you next week. Yeah, Ricky, have a great weekend. We'll talk next week, buddy. This has been uh, Jeff Duncan from Nolan.com and the Times speaking. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.